Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, we got a cool uh, we got a cool conference coming up, and I know I know you, I know you're thinking FOA supervisor conference because I know you love those, but it's not. It's a first of its kind reentry conference over on the west side of Michigan, and I'm excited to bring in a few people that started the conference to talk about it. So, first off, we'll let you guys introduce yourselves. I know we have a friend of the pod, Angie Sprank, who's been on before. You were talking about, I believe, the truck driving school over on yes. the west side, right? Yes. So you're a you're a seasoned pro at this podcasting now, right? Right. So yes. go ahead, go ahead and introduce yourself to all of all of the listeners again. Okay. I'm Angie Sprank and I am the coordinator for the Region 4 Offender Success Program. Okay, well welcome back, friend of the pod. We we appreciate you coming Thank back you. making the drive over to Lansing. And next we have Nate Johnson, who is um, one of the co-founders of a very very interesting, cool, great, helpful program over on the west side of the state called Fresh Coast Alliance. So Nate, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, Nate Johnson and co-founder of Fresh Coast Alliance, formerly incarcerated also, uh, spent 12 and a half years in prison, uh, went in at 2000, came home at 2013. Yeah, was interested in helping men and women re-enter back successfully. And so, yeah, so that's how Fresh Coast got its start. Well, that's, I mean, that's, if you've ever listened to the podcast, you will know that that's what we're, that's what we're all about, right? Second chances and, and people who you know, change their life around yep. much like you and, and then, you know, reach back out and try to help those and give back to people who um, need some help too. And I, I, you know, we can't thank you enough one for, you know, coming out of that and doing what you're doing now, because I think that is, um, and we could talk for hours about, you know, this, our feelings about all this, but this is good stuff. So let's get into like, so why, what, what made you as a formerly incarcerated individual think to do all this and, and what's it meant to you? What's it meant to the people on the West side of the state? Yeah, it's it, we've seen some tremendous fruit come from this effort. The motivation behind this and kind of where it all started with me was while I was in prison, you know, 12 and a half years. When you're doing that much time, you just kind of turn yourself over to the doing the time, right? You don't you're not thinking about your outdate every other day and you're you know, you're thinking about, okay, I, I, you know, I'm working on this project for the next year and a half. And then, you know, you're looking forward to the football games getting ready to come up. But as I was getting closer and closer to my out date, the reality that, man, I'm going to be going home in like 24 months. I'm going to go home in like 18 months. This is starting to be real. And I was 19 when I went in. I'm, you know, 30 years old now, you know, did all my 20s in there. And it was starting to settle in, inside that, man, it's there's I'm going to be going home. And I remember talking with a guy and we were talking about, so what are you going to do when you get out? And I'm like, you know, I'm one of these guys, you know, I gave my life to Jesus. It's the real deal. Uh, I'm a former drug dealer. And so I said, I might, you know, I was thinking about going back to school, possibly get my business degree or maybe get out and sell cars or maybe get into some type of hustle that's legit this time. Right. Instead of selling crack, we're going to do something that's um, that's has less risk and going back to jail right so in the middle of this conversation he's well, what did you, you know what are you gonna do and so i i shared those things with him i said you know i said just i i can i can do those things i'm wired that way but it just don't float my boat 
I said, this doesn't wake me up on the inside. He said, well, well, well what does? I said, you know, I'm, I said, I'm just, I don't know. I said, you know, that's the part I got to figure out. And then he, he asked me this question. He said, what just, what just pisses you off? And we're on the yard, and I'm looking around. And I said, you see that guy over there, the guy walking the track? I said, he's been here four times. And I haven't even gone home once. I said, that guy over there, he's been here three times. And I haven't even gone home once. I said, every time one of these guys come back, they complain about the food in the chow halls, that the warden's going to put a new menu out. They're on the phone crying about how they missed this and missed that. When these are consequences to choices, I said, man, I said, that just frustrates me. I said, I can, I can, I can deal with the guys who they go out and, you know, they, they know they're doing stupid things. They know they're taking a 50-50 chance at getting caught. They get caught. They come back. These are just the consequences to my choices, but they're not in there complaining about it. I said, these guys who do that and come back and complain, I said, that just irritates the mess out of me. And he, he said this phrase, and I'll never forget it. He said, Nate, he said, when you discover what drives you up the wall, you'll realize that that's what you were created to solve. And so I knew in that moment that I was here to teach people how to win the war over staying out. At first, I had a couple of challenges. I had to get out myself, right? And then I had to live my own solution and then came out. You know, even though I had, I had given my life to God, you know, I still had my ability to hustle. I still got my ability to recruit. But this time, I recognized that gift was not to help destroy people's lives, but to help and empower and encourage and motivate people to move in a different direction. And now it's coupled with this kind of this passion to want to help individuals win the war over staying out. Find your purpose, right? Find your purpose. That's what we have in real life. It's like, what's your purpose? Find your purpose and feed yeah. that purpose, right? Don't starve it, feed it. Yeah. Um, so if it sounds like you are feeding your purpose now. Yeah. Which is helping you win that war, right? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's awesome stuff. So, so let's talk about, so you guys got together from uh, Angie and Nate, you guys got together from OS, right? And, yeah. and, and uh, I believe you guys contract with. Yeah. Us, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. So talk about what, what, what you guys offer for, you know, the, to, to help provide resources to people. So as far as Fresh Coast Alliance goes, they are our housing provider over in Muskegon County, and they have a great housing concept that has proven to be successful if you do a wraparound approach, that if you give someone all of the tools that they need, not just a place to stay, there's accountability in the housing, there's um, access to counseling, classes if you need it for substance use. So they're our main contractor for housing in Muskegon County. And then they also are the contract holder for our CLEAR group. And um, that is a partnership with Fresh Coast. But there's also a police officer that does the CLEAR for that. And then they offer other services, too, that our individuals that are there for housing or CLEAR can access. Um, Nate and I got started working together five or six years ago. Um, and really, it was powerful because I took him in to talk to a group that I was teaching CBT class to at Muskegon Jail. And what I saw Nate accomplish in five minutes, I hadn't accomplished in eight weeks. So that really led to how can we continue to do this so that he started coming into the prison. He does orientation with me every month at MTU. And then that kind of just continued to grow on the things that we do together, bringing the two worlds of reentry together. And then we were at another conference this summer, and that led us to talking about 
why don't we have a conference yeah. and why don't we do this? Yeah, which which, which I do want to get into um, very quickly here, but I do want to just touch on something you said. And I know Nate said he had, you know, he's he still has some hustle, right? Which which is which is awesome. But what what is it that you said that he could do in five minutes what you couldn't do in five months? What what is that? Why? Two things happen. He gained trust instantly amongst the men in class because he could. He was proof that you can change. And that you can make those changes, have a positive life, do good things. So they instantly trusted him where I had to work on developing trust. And then they just spoke a language. I mean, literally (laughs) a language outside that we weren't speaking. I mean, there was even times I'd leave class and I'd say, okay, so-and-so said this. What's he talking about? (laughs) And we kind of laugh about it, but they just instantly connected and they bought into what he was saying because he's been there, done it, and now he's successful. Right. Um, yeah. I, and that's, you know, we say that all the time, especially in FOA is, you know, agents have a job to do, but they, you know, I, I would assume 99% of them haven't walked um, in the same shoes, right? And it's hard to understand what somebody actually goes through to be really, and you can be empathetic, but when it comes to really understanding the struggle, it's very, very hard unless you have been through it. And I think that's what, that's the important part of, you know, what our, our, our future mentoring program is going to bring um, to the table is, Providing resources and people, human beings who have experienced it, been through it, come out of it and can talk about it, right? So I, I think you know that's what a great what a great resource we have in you yeah. on the west side of the state. So first of all, thank you for what you do because it's it's super important and you're impacting human beings' lives yeah. for, for a positive way. Thank you. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about this. So the, this this conference that we're we're going to talk about was was born from all of this, right? It, it's 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 called the Reentry United Conference, right? And it's going to be held when. It's November 3rd, and it's going to be at Grand Valley State University downtown at the Eberhard Center. They have graciously donated the space for us to hold it because they are a great partner um, with OS, and it'll be an all-day conference. Okay, and I I know Chris wants to get in here real quick, but can you just really quick talk about, because we were talking before we went on the podcast, you said this is like the first ever conference like this, right? Uh, talk about why that is and what was kind of what, what was what was the goal of doing this? Well, the first time when we talk about the first one of a kind is where we're going to see you know, the people that we've invited and that we've seen who have signed up where we have a large amount of employees from the Michigan Department of Corrections, where we're seeing a large amount of employees from Michigan Works and different agencies. But seeing a lot of the grassroots organizations signing up and formerly incarcerated people. So it's almost like this concept we're bringing grass tops and grassroots people together and not just where a lot of times, depending on who's putting on the conference, where let's just say one of the MDLC regional conferences, right? That's going to be all state workers from MDLC, most likely. If you go to a conference where it may be held by nation outside or one of these other grassroots organizations, there's probably going to be a large amount of formerly incarcerated kind of the frontline people that are there. And it's not really a very healthy merging together where the goal is let's discuss solutions and how we can work together. So it's not us against you. It's us. It's we, we have to do this together and everyone brings something different to the table. How do we make these things work and, and deal with some, preconceived notions against one another because i know there's a lot of you know me representing the formerly incarcerated people oh the mdoc is this and they you know 
And and so that sometimes that could be a prevailing conversation that it just keeps going and going and going, and it prevents people from building relationships. It doesn't build the bridge, and vice versa. There may be people on the MDLC side that think, "Oh, once a con, always a con." Well, and and that and there are a lot of people that give evidence, probably on both sides, that reinforces what they've already fixed what they want to believe. The danger with that is that we're never going to solve the problem. So we have to. I, for me, I always want to encourage people: we got to reserve the right that we're wrong sometimes and, and think solution and how can we bridge the gaps in these relationships to really, to get the best out of each group where everyone brings a table, we can get the best out of them. Cause it's all going to happen in the context of relationship to serve the people that we're called to serve. And the goal should not be to lock up. The goal should not be to, oh, we don't want to work with them because we don't like them. We got to set that stuff aside. Let's come together and let's solve the problem. So that's really where, my heart is at what I want to see happen. And I don't think at least that I'm aware of, there hasn't been another conference in the state of Michigan where that's been the focus where you have all of these different types of people, grass tops, grassroots people coming together to think solution done with the problem. We know what the problem is and we need to, and there's some tough conversations that we have to have too, as we're in the pursuit of solution, but this is a start. And I, and I think the, the goal I think we could all agree on is that we want to eliminate every excuse on why an individual would go back to prison. If, if we can solve that, but we're only going to be able to do it together. We're not going to be able to do it. It can't just be just Fresh Coast by themselves doing it. It won't work that way. It can't be just Department of Corrections doing it. It's not going to work that way. It's all of us coming together to serve the people well, use our, our gifts and talents and abilities and resources to come together to solve the problem. And if I could add, and this is not to toot my own horn, but repeatedly we do have people ask, how does region four, how are you so successful? How do you do the, so then it's, it's all about the team that we have. So this conference is really just that team on a large scale. It is the awesome agents that we have. It is the supervisors. It's, you know, regional manager, Nolan and Timmers, everybody comes to the table and everybody has the same goal. Our contractors, we all sit down and solve together. So that is why it isn't just one person or one entity. That's why Region 4 is successful because that's what we've done. And it can be done across the whole state. It's not, we don't have some secret potion or rocket science going on. It's just everybody coming together. It's with relationships. The same goal. Mm-hmm. You can talk about some of the other speakers and because you, you talk about the tough conversations that we're going to have to have and yeah. uh, some of the other people that are going to be on the stage or the people are going to be hearing from. Yeah. Um, so Heidi Washington said that she would come. She was going to come and open up for us and she was going to share myself. There is uh, Matt Kokoma, who is the, the police officer, that, DJ Hilson. Uh, we're going to have Terry Johnson, formerly incarcerated, spent 22 years uh, in the MDOC, who's out now doing great. And now he works at the jail as a reentry coach. I mean, he's in, now he gets to walk around the jail, go to the holding tank and talk with guys and set up game plans. So when they, when they're released from jail, they got this transition that they go to. So he's going to come with this experience. We got Sherelle Hogan, who uh, Janelle will be talking about in a little while. She'll be there because she's going to, she wants to address this family reunification with children who have had parents who have grown up while their parents were incarcerated. You know, and that's a that's a major issue. And when we look at the statistics on children who grow up without fathers, where they end up at, which is usually in the state prison, uh, those are going to be those are some some of the tough conversations that we have to have yeah. with the formerly incarcerated people, where not just being 
a dad, but learning how to be fathers, right? And, and taking responsibility for our children. Um, so there's going to be that. Jason Carlson, the, the Muskegon Parole uh, Supervisor, is going to be there. Yeah, when, when you talk about the, we talk a lot about the, the, the panelists and who's going to be speaking. Who's the, who's the audience that's going to be sitting and listening to this? And what do you want them to walk away with uh, when this is done? Yeah, there's close to 100 MDOC employees that have signed up. And um, there are a number of different groups, kind of those grassroots groups, formerly incarcerated people that are on there too. And the walk away is that individuals will, uh, when they leave here, there's a sense that relationships is going to be the key, that we need to, if they're not already doing it, but they need to see the value in relationship with agents, with uh, Michigan Works employees, with everyone who's in this space, they need to understand the value of this and the us working together is what's going to solve the problem, not each of us trying to exist in our little silos. And, and then for the groups who, I know there's a number of groups that will be there where they, they're having trouble with housing. And there'll, there'll be a, a, like a breakout session on housing where we'll teach people and we'll have the discussions. Here's how you can actually apply for the housing grant. Here's the person that you can connect with that's going to actually help you solve that problem. And if an individual walks out of that um, conference and you haven't made the connections, it's not because all the right people weren't in the room. It's because you did not go out and initiate those contacts there. I think that those are a, a couple of the things. I think, too, to add is when we're asked, you know, how do we do it in Region 4? So that's part of how it's set up is to show an example of everything that others have complained about or said doesn't work. So for example, successful partnerships with DOC, that's going to have agent Greg Balcom, one of his um, participants, William Kitchen. You're on that one, Greg. We have Margaret Brown from Women's Huron Valley. So we brought all the people that are making the changes and doing the right thing. So then you can go back to, if you're an agent, you can then go back to your office and say, Look, I just saw how it's happening, how it's working. I want to do that here. Um, a lot of the audience is offender success providers. And if they have some challenges or offices have a challenge with them, well, we're going to show them this is how you can do the work together. So our hope is everybody walks away and like Nate said, they have the answer and they can go back and implement it from inside a facility to working in the field as an agent to being a provider of OS, to being a returned citizen who has an organization that wants to work with formerly incarcerated, we hope to cover every base. I think that's I think that's really important, and I think it's a good example that we're having tough conversations. There are things that we haven't solved yet, or that we're, we're we still need to work on. But you're far enough along that you're able to show the other regions in the state we've had some real success at doing it this way. And it could be scalable. It could work in your part of the state. And so I'm assuming some of those hundred some folks aren't all from Region 4. They're from the other regions because they want to see what, what's the magic sauce yeah. <laughs> that, that they can bring back uh, yes. and operate there. So that's, that's really important. And I think a lot of it, too, will just be debunking, you know, some myths. I've heard people in the past say, you know, well, OS won't fund trauma counseling. Yes, they will. <laughs> they do. So, I mean, that's a lot of it. And it's or also understanding if... If you're an OS provider and it, it might not be laid out, well, then just put a good plan together and, and take it to your liaison. Take it to Kyle. If, if it makes sense, it will work. But I think there's a lot of myths out there 
and then we hope to debunk them with the conference too because all those people are going to be there to show you know this is what's going on and like it's been said we know there's more work to do but everybody wants to do that work everybody wants to do that they want to continue to keep moving in the right direction yeah and you know, think of i think of how many groups like say region eight or region 10 whatever region they're in that they could start a clear group over in their region which os would fund and then you're helping to uh, reconcile this this relationship that is probably has a lot of tension in it between law enforcement formerly incarcerated people i mean there's a lot of groups that don't even know anything about this group but we can share the successes and they're going to meet the team from Kent County and Muskegon who run these clear groups, they're going to meet them and be able to hear stories on the reconciliation that's taking place in that. Yeah. You know, and for those of you who don't know what clear is, um, clear is a group on the West side of the state in Muskegon and in uh, Grand Rapids where it's facilitated by an officer, by a police officer, many, many, many formerly incarcerated currently on parole probation individuals come to these meetings. Uh, they have lunch usually, they have a topic and it's all led by a police officer. So when you talk about, uh, coming together of, uh, people on parole and probation and law enforcement, what a great opportunity for people. And I think we've had, actually, Chris, I think we've had clear on the podcast. I think way, I mean, we've been doing this for now for like seven years, but I think we've talked about clear on a former podcast, but I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me. But another great example of some stuff you guys are talking about is what Janelle's going to talk about. Janelle Freeman is here. She is a wonderful supervisor at the Kent County probation office and i know you guys have talked about a lot of the panels what's going to happen you got housing you have a lot of resources there but janelle if you could talk about briefly i know you've been working on an epic group uh, with other people from out the doc on this topic but this is i know you're you're passionate about this topic um so talk about one of the breakout groups who's going to be on it why it's important and what the epic group is doing right now thank you so much greg um yes i am very excited about this conference and some of the guest speakers and panelists that are going to be here Nate was talking about solutions, tough conversations and relationships. I think those are some very important things that can um, happen at this conference because in particular, one of the guest speakers, I don't want to give away too much, but has an organization that works with um, young people that are, have been affected or have a parent that has been incarcerated. And one of the uh, two, actually, parental engagement and family reunifications are two of the topics that our EPIC team has been working on for about two years now. And this guest speaker is someone who provides those types of services. And I just want to get the word out about how important and how beneficial it is for parents specifically to be involved in their children's education. And also how important family reunification is for the success of returning citizens and individuals who are still incarcerated to start making those connections. And over the course of these two years, our epic team has come up with some great strategies and ways to begin to start that process at, at the incarceration stage of family reunification and being able to have parents work with their children, even while they're incarcerated, um, with their homework, parents-teachers conferences. We're working on so many groundbreaking things. And also, during that month of November, the conference is on November 3rd, 
during that month is National Parental Engagement Day, November 17th. So we just want to, um, I wanted to take a time to just put the word out and get people aware of that, to get that on their radar, to start having agents and different staffs and some of the partners that'll be there at the OS conference um, to see how important this is to us and that this is something we are really trying to expand um, within the MDLC. Um, so again, going back to what Nate was saying, those relationships, having some of those tough conversations about why it is so important for parents to be involved in a um, child's education. There's going to be a flyer, so keep a, a lookout for that in the October Offender Success newsletter um, that is about parental engagement, identifying some of the benefits and ways that parents can get involved. It, everyone should be involved, but we really want to try to start encouraging and incentivizing the populations that we work with to begin to get involved with their children's education. One of the biggest reasons, Greg, biggest reasons because it is very preventative from having the generational cycle or the perpetuation of people, young people, um, becoming justice involved by getting involved in their education. And as a, as an agent, a former agent, and as a current supervisor, I have read so many pre-sentence investigation reports. And what I see almost, I would say over 95% of the time, when you get to the family section, you will see where there's some issues with family dysfunction or the dynamic where there's an absent parent or father like um, Nate was saying or a mother or there was some type of abuse or separation due to incarceration or you'll see in the education section where they did not finish high school. So that tells you those two components are extremely important and whether or not an individual will become or likely to become involved in a criminal justice system in the future. So that's the the point that I wanted to really get across on this podcast is to get people thinking about that, to start having some of those tough conversations, to start um, making, you know, the relationships and the connections and getting some of our um, community providers to really make sure that they're um, looking at offering that type of service or resource to the populations that we work with. Well, I, I, that's very well said. And I think you said two really, really important things that, that, that stuck with me is one, to incentivize, right? I mean, incentivizing things that we do and the things that the people do. Um, is hugely important and it matters and it, it works, quite frankly, it works. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing that you said that's very, very important is we should be incentivizing that behavior because we, you know, it, it's just, it just works and we should be doing it. And two is it goes back to the whole ripple effect thing, right? Like, you know, when we talk about we're, we're supervising individuals on probation or parole, the impact that you can have on a human being's life is, is huge. It's huge, um, both negative and positive. And you never know, uh, you know, we're talking about, be, you know, being a parent, but just, just from a human being perspective, you never know the, the ripple effect that that has on a wife, a mother, a father, and especially the children, right? I mean, that's, that's where it's at. And if you can um, affect that and make a ripple so that the child doesn't have to experience that and go through all that, if you can break that, what, I mean, what a, what a huge win for, for everybody, right? I mean, you can't underscore that enough. The impact that you have on a human being and the ripple effect of that down the road, you may never know. You may never, ever even hear about it, ever know, but you may have it. And that's, it's hugely important. And, and that's what has to go into this job every day is that mindset. And that's the, the, the great part about the work that we do. It's so impactful and so important. And I know everybody knows that, but you can't say it enough. So thank you for talking about that. I don't know, Chris, I know, I know we've had quite a bit of information going on. What, what else you got? Anything? No, I just, I agree. I think that's really important. And I'm glad that we're doing more in this space because 
in years past when we talked about what we could do with family reunification and the importance of you know parenting we talked about the one day with god camp which is amazing and it's incredibly special if you've ever been to one you'll walk away and you'll never forget it but it's it's one day and it's only at a few prisons and then when we would talk about other things we would do there were things that it was things that we weren't spending money on so because it's, it is hard to do and that's why it took several years to put it all together and so what in the absence of that we would talk about the fact that you know the director always supported Governor Whitmer's proposals for education funding because money that wasn't being spent in the MDOC budget, we were happy to see it being spent in the education budget because if we're spending that money with the children and, you know, for early, you know, early K, pre-K reading and all those kind of things are people that aren't going to end up with us. But now to see it, now that we're putting it in our budget and we're spending money and we're spending time and resources and doing things inside of our objective, I think it's 6.3 in, in the strategic plan that talks about, you know, this kind of work we're seeing it all come together now is really special and i'm sure that we'll have uh you back on and some of the folks on the committee as we go forward to talk about how this has come up and what we're what we're doing so i'm really happy to see that this finally coming out i know COVID slowed it a little bit but i know you i'm sure you guys are ready to roll and really excited about getting going so absolutely well chris i know i'll be there I don't know if you'll be there or not, but I know I'll be there. Um, I can't wait uh, to attend this. I know there's roughly 250 seats, I think, available for the conference. And I think they're, they're already at about 200-ish. So I don't know if you can talk about registration and if, or if it's even open still or not. But, you know, if you need more people to go, you may get some, some more people from the podcast. I'm not sure. Is there, is there still room for people to go? Yeah, so we're we're close to two. I think last week the number was like 173, something like that. And, and a number of people towards the end of the week been signing up but they could there's a couple um ways that they could because everyone has to pre-register has to sign up it's free but you need to pre-register you could always go to fresh coast alliance facebook page and you get on there like the fresh coast alliance facebook page and then go to events and you'll see the uh reentry united link there you get on there pre-register and they'll they'll get you on there you could also uh, reach out to Angie Sprank with the Offender Success Program. You can find it on Eventbrite as well, too. So if you get on there, you it's Reentry United. It's going to be the first time that there's been something like this. And uh, I think that this is something that we need to champion and continue doing oh, yeah. um, every year. And, you know, it's like anything. Power always lies in consistency. You know what I mean? And as we we focus this event each year to be solution-focused, to be a solutions-only conference. If we do that, man, it's just in time. We're going we're gonna to be able to go at an accelerated rate at solving these problems because we have the solutions here. They're already here. We have access to all of the resources that are needed to do this. We just have to just tap into them and yeah. bring the right people to the table. No, I, I agree, and I think that's the focus. Or the takeaway is I love that you said that. It's not – you know, don't come with all the problems. <laughs> There's plenty of those. We know we know they're there. Uh, what solutions do we have? And let's get everybody at the table to talk about solutions rather than just complain about a problem that's it's going to be there, right? It, it's, so that's a great way to phrase it. And I appreciate all of you for coming on Field Days and talking about this conference. I think it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to go. And uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on and doing what you do, number one. But secondly, talking about this uh, really amazing conference. So thanks guys very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Chris, you know, that was a enjoyable conversation. I, I you know, I, I like, well, I mean, I think the conference is going to be very, very 
useful and I think it's going to be engaging. I think it's going to, there's going to be a lot of good information that come out of it. But, you know, to talk to a formerly incarcerated person is, um, to me, I, I, I love those conversations because it just goes to show you that people can change and that, and, and for him, for him to give back is, is such a, is such a good thing. It's like, you could just tell that it was feeding his purpose. So it was a fun conversation. And I don't, um, are you going to the conference? I think I'm going to have to now. I mean, I was already kind of planning on it, but I think this sold me for sure. Well, did you uh, register? Well, I can just kind of show up. Because they won't, <laughs> oh, you're that important. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, they want, no, us, to they want us to do a podcast. And so we're, we're still trying to work out the logistics if we can do that. But uh, but no, I absolutely, I think it's going to be really uh, impactful and really helpful for people uh, to attend. So if you heard this and you're really interested in it, I would urge you to, as quickly as you can, get yeah. on there and register to find one of the open slots. And hopefully there still are some spots uh, by the time you hear this. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think they're going to fill up pretty fast. So let's talk about something else that's impactful, Chris. And that's, uh, it's it's a really cool event that happens in Grand Rapids every year. I'm going to quiz you right now. It, it's on the streets of Grand Rapids. And not only is it on the streets of Grand Rapids, but it is also on our windows at our, at our field offices over there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, Go ahead. I can help you out if you need help. Uh, how many words? Uh, it, it sounds like it's two words. It's, yes. Two words. Sounds Apple like. Grand Rapids every fall. It's, it's, Oh, you're talking about art prize. Art prize. That's exactly yes. right. Yeah, and I, you, I and knew you, that. I was just trying to think of a better joke. Yeah, and you know, one of the artists um, uses you know formerly incarcerated individuals' uh, artwork, and they put that artwork on our parole office over there on the windows. And I think what a great opportunity to show off one um, again formerly incarcerated individuals and in the, in the work that they do, but two to use our field office to show off that work. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it, it it just shows how inclusive and how all consuming everything about our prize is for the city of Grand Rapids, and because we are enmeshed in that community, that we naturally would be asked to be a part of that and want to be a part of that. So I think it's it speaks well of the office there, uh, our involvement, and then uh, the artist who is willing to have uh, individuals who are who are doing this uh, to have their art on display along with hers. I think it's really special, and I hope everyone who comes down for our prize, and I hope everyone does. Because it is not it is an amazing event. If you've not been, right. it is really cool. Uh, but take time to make sure you're walking uh, past the uh, the parole office and take a look at that as well. Yeah, good stuff. So uh, that's what's going on right now. And I don't, you know, that was a that was a very informational podcast. I don't want to spend too much time here unless you have anything else, Chris. I think we should probably wrap this up and let people get on with their day. Very good. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in, and uh, stay tuned next week to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. 